Welcome in to the Dogpile Podcast. Been a while, huh? Yeah, it's been a little bit. Had a little bit of a break. Look at that. That uh, coffee I'm pouring in my mug right here that's going to last me for the... And I know it's late to be drinking coffee, but it doesn't really keep me up. That coffee is still steaming out of this $12 thermos that I bought years ago. Coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany. What's up? Appreciate y'all tuning in. If you're watching on Periscope or on Facebook, either way, if you're tuning in live to this, yeah, y'all can comment. I'll be able to see. I have this new setup here. You know how I used to, we do the podcast and I'd have like an iPad going so that I could see Periscope and I'd have the, you know, something else going over here so that I could see uh, Facebook. I got it all in one place. So what's up, Brian? What's up, Derek? Tommy says late for coffee. Yeah, I know it supposedly is and maybe not for me. Steve? Checking out the podcast down in Dothan, Alabama, where my dad lives. Hello to you. Mr. Jones, what's up with you? All the baseball fellas skipping town. Yeah, we're going to talk about that some. Lane, hail state to you. Thanks, uh, y'all, for tuning in. Uh, mm-hmm. That coffee's still hot. As you know, Dog Pile, presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Land Bank! Visit them online, mslandbank.com. They serve the northern 32 counties in Mississippi. So if you're in the northern part of the state, there's a branch office of the land bank near you. And, you know, now is probably a decent reminder for us that over the years, if we can, we ought to be looking at investing in land, right? And, you know, for some maybe investment, but for others maybe just, you know, purely to get the job done, farmland, maybe uh, building a dream home, hunting land recreational property, all that stuff and more, do yourself a favor. I know the people there. I've gotten to know them over the years. You cannot go wrong. They are absolutely the kind of people that you want to do business with at Mississippi Land Bank. Again, online, mslandbank.com. Also, uh, this podcast brought to you by the fine folks at Farm Bureau Insurance in Mississippi. Uh, Our friends at uh, Country Pleasing Sausage, Country Please and Please, countrypleasing.com. Also, the folks at Nest and Wild, you need to check them out, nestandwild.com. Next time you need a mattress, get it from a Mississippi company that's making an all-American-made 12-inch thick mattress, nestandwild.com. More on that in just a bit. And also by the Mississippi State University Golf Course. They are Hale State GC on Twitter. Check out my hat. It's just one of many hats. This is kind of a a retro-style hat that I got at the Mississippi State University Golf Course. And if you all follow them on Twitter, they're back open again for golf, but also got some great deals going on, a lot of the baseball stock and all that. So what's up, everybody? Mm. Let's see, who said what over here? Derek, what's up to you? Uh, Lane said, is there a good way to direct message you? Yeah, Lane, uh, you're on Facebook. Right there on my Facebook page, just facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. Just message me. You know, I'll get it in the inbox. I'll respond. So hit me up right there. That's a good way to do it. And I think I think my direct messages are open to anybody on Twitter. If they're not, let me know and I'll change that I, or get somebody to change it for me. Uh, hey, Jeff, watching in Brandon. What's up, Tyler? Yeah, you know, it's not hot chocolate. Hey, speaking of... Before we jump into the content here on the uh, podcast tonight, we got baseball transfers to talk about. We're going to talk about the possible start of uh, football, when, if, how, where, all that good stuff. And then I'm going to let you check out the interview that I did recently with the new women's basketball coach, Nikki McCray-Pinson. So all that's coming up. Mm. But since I'm sipping on what's left of my High Point Roasters coffee, HighPointRoasters.com. Dan the Coffee Man in New Albany. If you're not getting your coffee straight from Dan the Coffee Man in New Albany, you are missing out. And look at this. Sprayed down with Lysol. Nothing against Dan. We're just spraying everything with Lysol. But I got a box today. Look what was in this box. Okay. uh, First of all, a nice little sample size of the high-dollar premium Kona coffee. These are the beans. I'll grind those and drink that in the morning. How about this? A one-pound bag of French roast from High Point Roasters in New Albany. 
And, uh, you know, actually, of all the different kinds, Dan, that I think I've gotten from you, I don't think I've gotten and tried the French roast. So I'm looking forward to that. Got a bag of uh, Nicaragua Cafe Lovato SBH, I'm sorry, SHB and EP coffee beans. Uh, that, again, is new to me. Haven't had it yet. In the nice blue package from High Point Roasters in New Albany, one-pound bag. And also in the package today, the breakfast blend, which I've had that and I'm really, really fond of it. So I'm just finishing up uh, a package of the Viennese. I mean, I'm, I'm basically like tomorrow or the next day would be it. And then I'll open this stuff fresh and dive in. So Dan, thank you so much. Y'all hit him up, Dan the Coffee Man on Twitter, High Point Roasters, HP Roasters on Twitter. And then uh, get your coffee there, highpointroasters.com. Appreciate the stuff. All right, let me jump into some of your comments here real quick, and then we'll get into the information for tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me. Eric, uh, famous Maroon Band alum. Always great to hear the band playing. Let's hear it again. Why not? Come on! Look at me, Eric. I know four, four time. Look. One, two, three, four. One. That's great stuff. Great stuff. Hail State Myron, thanks for tuning in. Ben in the hizzy. Brandon, <laughs> good evening from Ponchatoula, Louisiana. Barry says he's going crazy without sports. Um, over here on Periscope, hey to Augie. Augie says, should my daughter make cookies for us tonight? Make cookies? Should you? Why even ask? You know what my daughter and I just did? I got a phone call from my mother who uh, is over in Alabama. She called me. This is like maybe 20 minutes ago. She said, hey, have y'all seen the supermoon? Is that what the word for it? The supermoon? I said, oh, no, I hadn't seen it. And so uh, for the last 10, 15 minutes, my daughter, wife, and I have been out on the front steps looking at the moon and trying to take pictures and trying to look at it through the uh, telescope and everything else. That was a lot of fun. And I got a great picture. I'll share that on Twitter coming up. Um, let's see. Uh, Cartel. Man, you got some great sponsors. When are you going to give away one of those cool hats? That's a great question. I got a closet full of um, really cool hats from the Mississippi State University golf course. We need to give some away. In fact, I'll tell you what, the next time we get together here on the Dogpile podcast, we'll give away a hat, right? So somebody will get a chance to win one. Uh, Percy, beautiful moon in South Mississippi Lane. Oh, did I miss it? Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I have, I'll go back and look for your message, Lane. Sure will. Uh, thanks, Randy, on Periscope for the compliments on the hat. Max, good evening, fellow Bulldog family. Uh, let's see, Mike, got some coffee from Dan the Man today. Best coffee ever. It really is the best. You know, I, I've sort of, kind of, sort of become a connoisseur of coffee. And yeah, I mean, it is the best. And definitely is the best. Let me rattle off some of these. Got to go quick. Uh, Tyler says, I'd like to be one of your sponsors. Is that possible? Absolutely, Tyler. Hit me up. What you got? <laughs> Shoot me a message. Rich, jealous of the coffee. I mean, it's it's great stuff. I probably ought to give some of this away, too. I mean, it is fantastic stuff. If you haven't had their coffee, uh, I, I'm serious. You're missing out. It's just better than what you're getting in other places. Um Myron, looks like you have some High Point Roasters coffee prizes to give away. <laughs> What's up, David? Uh, Augie, um, it said, help settle an argument. She should make cookies every time. Don't even ask. Just make them. Ellen, uh, the quarterback, is a great drum major. Hail State. Yeah, I know four, four time. I, I was in the band in the sixth grade at Russellville Middle School in Alabama. I didn't play football until the eighth grade. And in the band, our band director's name was Mr. Crummy. Yep, great guy, great musician, but a funny name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Brian, I misplaced my swinging bully hat from the golf course, and I'm stressing over it. Well, don't stress. They've got plenty of stock. Just go pick up a new one. Hail State GC on Twitter. Call them at 325-3028. Max is not a coffee drinker. Well, hey, 
if you're not a coffee drinker, then I guess you're not missing out. Yeah. And then Brian says, uh, Tyler uh, Humble, the premier mobile home man in Northeast Mississippi. Okay. All right. I'm starting to put two and two together. Y'all hit me up. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can work out. All right. Here's what's coming. Uh, real quick, going to have a mention and kind of go over the uh, baseball players that have jumped into the transfer portal. And then right after that, we're going to do uh, a little discussion here on the possible the possible you know, possibility football starting on time versus football starting late versus you know, you know whole schedule versus partial schedule. We'll get into all that, and I'll try to answer some of your questions. And then before we're done, I'm going to click play so that you can watch in on an interview that I was able to do with our new women's basketball coach, Nikki McCray-Pinson. And so that'll be coming up for you in a sec. But first, before we do that, I want you to hear a word from our sponsors, starting off with Mississippi Land Bank. Every farmer understands their farm can't thrive without some good partners like sun, soil, and rain. And farmers in North Mississippi also rely on another important partner, Mississippi Land Bank. Because land and farm financing are Mississippi Land Bank's primary focus. We've grown alongside these farmers' crops for more than 100 years. We understand what a farmer needs, and we know the lay of the land in North Mississippi. And that's where I stand. Farm Bureau Insurance stands ready to provide financial relief to our communities in this time of crisis. This includes a one-time credit to all personal auto policyholders, a donation of $500,000 to the Mississippi Food Network, and additional payment options for those hit the hardest, all while continuing to service customer claims as well. But this is the time to go above and beyond. These are a few ways we're keeping the Farm Bureau promise. To learn more, talk to your agent or visit us online. Go with the home team. Hey, like my hog hat. You want to know the reason that you need to sit down at the table and say, country please and please? Here's why. It all starts with hand-picked pure pork. No parts, no stuff. It's hand-picked ham, bacons, pork loins. The real deal. They produce country pleasing in small batches also, which means consistency in every package. Spices, fresh ones that are mixed daily on site right there at the plant in Florence. Now, their smoke houses are not cookie-cutter houses either. They are designed and built for country meat packers and for their own smoking methods. And they use hickory logs that they split daily on site. They don't use hickory sawdust. The logs produce a better smoke, a stronger flavor. It's the real deal. They use a natural hog casing for their sausage. It's soaked in vinegar for a tender snap. Frankly, let me put it this way. It's the best tasting sausage you'll put in your mouth every time you need to be sleeping on a mattress from nest and wild you'll sleep better nestandwild.com nest and wild is a mississippi-based mattress company making high quality mattresses delivered right to your door in terms of quality they're the best every mattress they make is 12 inches thick from the smallest to the largest they're all 12 inches thick and a lot of the Online brands are 8 inches or 10 inches. There's less support and less durability. It's all made in America from top to bottom, mattress and base. Prices are great. Nest and Wild has partnered with Jason Mott's foundation in the fight against cancer, so they donate a portion of every mattress back to Jason's foundation. And there's a 99-night trial. That's no risk. Try it for 99 nights, and if you don't sleep better, send it back. Go to nestandwild.com. Use code BULLY20, that's B-U-L-L-Y-2-0, for 20% off all sizes and bases and get a free pillow top mattress pad with your order. Your mattress will arrive at your door within three to five business days and you will sleep better. That's nestandwild.com. And this podcast is also brought to you in part by the Mississippi State University Golf Course Not only great golf and a beautiful course, but great apparel in the pro shop as well. Look at some of the choices online on Twitter at HailStateGC. And to order, hit them up right there or give them a call. 662-325-3028. 325-3028. That's the Mississippi State University Golf Course. 
All right. Appreciate you tuning in here to the podcast. Y'all hit me up. Questions, comments, opinions, and otherwise. Jason watching the Periscope, uh, well, the podcast on Periscope, easy for me to say, says, man, I miss North Mississippi. So ready to fish random mud puddles and look for snakes again. Yeah, it's different out in Arizona, isn't it? J- uh, Jason, one of our servicemen out in Arizona. And Barry on Facebook says, had country pleasing in my red beans and rice today for lunch. Yum. Yep. Country pleasing. It is the best. All right. So first up, baseball news. There are four players who have entered the transfer portal, according to reports. I think the first place I saw the report would be over on uh, 24-7 sports. But sophomore outfielder Bryce Brock, who you saw you know, get some playing time at the end of last year and and was going to be kind of in that outfield rotation some this year. Did get a few plate appearances. Sophomore from Lewisburg High School. He's into the transfer portal. Also, Austin Kelly, freshman catcher from the Washington School. Josh Hill, freshman right-handed pitcher from Indianola. And Hunter French, freshman outfielder from DeSoto Central. Those four players reported that they've put their names in that transfer uh, portal. Now, you know, as we mentioned, Brock, we saw probably the most, well, we did see the most of him. You know, and if you even looked at the team website, uh, I couldn't find Josh Hill there, at least listed in terms of on the roster. Kelly and French were on there, hence the pictures. But those four players uh, into the portal. And in college baseball, it's just what you get uh, from time to time as you uh, you have players that, that decide to move on and try something else. Let's see, uh, Brian on Facebook says, Austin Kelly is a dude, but that catcher position is deep and can only play one guy. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, it's crowded. And uh, what you're trying to do is kind of maximize your game time. Nobody's really interested in riding a bench, are they? Not at least in terms of in, you know, big time competitive stuff for sure. So we kind of get that in there. It's interesting how when the baseball season got canceled, I think we all went through different stages of grief in regards to the whole thing. And I do feel like in recent weeks, we've been in that stage of, you know, just totally out of sight, out of mind. And then, you know, we get a news story where there's some players that are on the roster that are jumping into the transfer portal uh, it brings it back. And so as I was getting ready to talk about that, we see guys in a uniform, we talk about the roster. It's this great, big, huge unknown. It's a little bit, um, it's a little bit odd, um, but it is news. And so I thought we'd jump on here and mention it. Anthony on Facebook says, did you see the picture of Lamonis and Polk on Twitter today? I bet it'd be fun to be a fly on the wall for that visit. Yeah, I saw that. So Chris Lamonis, head coach, tweets a picture. It's he and... You know, Ron Polk taking a selfie together. And it says something along the lines of, hey, does anybody else have a neighbor who is constantly trying to tell you how to do your job? And, uh, yeah, so I'm assuming, I I know that years ago, and I I guess he still has the same place, Coach Polk lived there in a very popular neighborhood, a very popular lake um, there in the Starkville area. And so, obviously, I guess Coach Lamonis lives there also. It's uh, it's really neat, isn't it? And... You know, I assume that Coach Polk, for the most part throughout the year, is in Birmingham, probably lives on campus or in an apartment or something there because he's helping UAB, but uh, still has the place in Starkville, apparently. Uh, Cartel, any others thinking about leaving the team? Anything other than young guys making a move? Not that I've heard of. Not that I've heard of. Anthony said, I just knew Hunter French would develop into a top-notch leadoff hitter. I hate that he's transferring. You know, you just never really know what all of the reasons could be, do you? You just, I mean, you just never know uh, what all those reasons could be. It could be anything. Um, you know, it could be playing time. It could be other stuff. It could be family. It could be maybe just um, – you just never know. So um, – you know, good for them, and I uh, hope it all turns out well uh, down the road. All right, um, let's flip it over here and go football just for a sec. I want to talk to you about the possible start of football. I don't know if you saw this or not. You can see it on my Twitter feed if you're interested. 
um, I'm Radio Wyatt on Twitter. But I retweeted a picture that was sent out there earlier today by Tony Barnhart. And let's see, Tony is, he is Mr. CFB, as in college football, Mr. CFB on Twitter. So you can find the original tweet right there. But it's an old, it's not even really a black and white. It's the old sepia tone photos from the early 1900s. So you're talking about, this is a picture that he tweeted from 1918. So just a hair over 100 years ago. And it's a bunch of fans at a sporting event sitting in the stands. They've all got like hats on. The attire of 100 years ago, much different than it was now, obviously. And they all are wearing masks, just like the ones that we're wearing now or being encouraged to wear. And so the caption of the photo is, here is a photo of an undetermined Georgia Tech home game during the 1918 college football season. That's when the sport was hit by the Spanish flu and the end of World War I. The photo was taken by a student, Thomas Carter, and it was provided by Georgia Tech alumnus Andy McNeil. Now, isn't that neat? Uh, I guess neat is is one way to uh, describe it. And, uh, you know, you, you can't help but wonder if, 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 if everything falls into place, if you have the games, are you going to have the stands full of fans? And if you do, are many of your fans going to be wearing masks? You know, again, I'm not here to go into the whole medical part of all this. There are other people that do that that are experts. It just seems to me that I keep hearing people say the primary reason to wear a mask is so that if you cough or you sneeze or something comes out of your mouth, it keeps you from spreading it to someone else if you have this virus, which you can, apparently can have this virus and not know it. You can be asymptomatic. It's not so much to keep you from getting it. It's to keep you from spreading it. Okay, I get all that. So are we going to have games where you're going to have masks on? Here's what I would say, and there may be people watching this podcast um, here, the Dogpile podcast presented by Mississippi Land Bank that don't get to catch the radio show. I've talked about this a good bit on the radio show the last week or so. But, and I'm coming to your comments in a sec, but I really think really the last week, seven days, 10 days, so week to 10 days of, of studying seems like every comment I can get my hands on from a university president out there, from an AD in any conference, uh, the occasional quote out there from a coach. But you, if you notice, over the last week to 10 days, you had a lot of comments in different interviews from athletics directors and even university presidents, some in the Southeast, some not, just all over the place. And, and while nobody knows, I mean, ultimately, nobody is giving you anything definitive. Nobody's saying, for sure, this is what we're going to do. I mean, because they can't do that yet. But if you look at it closely, all the signs are pointing towards, and all the quotes are positive and pointing towards confidence that you're going to get school open to all students on campus in the fall. You go, when, Matt, on time? They're going to open it up in August? Well, I don't know if it's on time or if it's a month later or whatever, but it'll happen this fall. And all that seems to be pointing to that. And again, for those that don't listen to the radio show, this is something I think we all need to make sure. We mean, you, you need to make sure you hear this and understand this dynamic. I posted a video on the YouTube channel about this. The, the single thing that must happen in order for college football to happen is universities must be open to on-campus classes for the entire student body. When and if that happens, now you got football. But if that doesn't happen, you know, early on during this pandemic, there when we would talk about sports, some people would say, well, then maybe they won't have fans in the stands and maybe students will be taking online classes, but the football team will be there and they can play the game without fans. Well, that's kind of a like an NFL thought process, maybe. But you have to remember that, at least for now, still, in every 
paperwork and everything signed and everything official, these are students. The players are students, just like everybody else going to class there as a student. And the NCAA over the years, the presidents, the schools, they've gone to great lengths to make sure that you, you better be treating these athletes the same way you treat regular students in, in certain regards. So because of all that, there's just nothing in the, the university universe, <laughs> the college universe, where that would allow them in any way to go, yeah, okay, it's safe for us to bring our football players back and let them work out and be ready to go play a game. But it's not safe to have the rest of the student body on campus. That, those two things just don't mix. That's oil and water. So, so they are married. They will not be separated. That is, campuses must open and all students are welcome back. And when that happens, we're going to have football. The other thing that you pick up on that's really, really, really clear to me from Ivy League schools to the Pac-12 to comments from the ACC, everybody's saying the same thing, basically. And that is, from coast to coast, we have to open for school in the fall. Financially, the university system, like coast to coast, it absolutely must have classes and football. The two things that financially the university is the most dependent on, tuition and football. For those reasons, they're going to figure out a way to do it. The third piece of that puzzle is this, and I think as a state fan, you need to hear this. I read an article. Uh, it was a very well thought out, very thorough thing at ESPN, and there was one comment thrown in, quote, thrown at the very back end of it, and it was from one of these noted uh, epidemiologists, scientist, medical person, understands this virus pretty well as much as anyone else. And he was asked the idea of what would pushing back the college football season into the spring, if you push it back to January or play football in the spring, what would that accomplish? Is, does that make sense? Would that help? And this scientist, this epidemiologist basically said, he basically answered it this way. Nah, you know, given where we are in this thing, that, you know, pushing it back three months, maybe it gives you a few, little more time to make a decision, but it ain't going to make a difference one way or the other. He basically said three months ain't making a difference at all. If you're going to push it back to January, you might as well play in October. That three months didn't make a bit of difference in the lifespan of this virus and how we're dealing with it. Because of all that, and you're starting to see it ramp up, that if, basically what I'm saying is, no, nobody knows for sure, but I've seen one SECAD comment on the record. They are preparing for a July return of athletes to campus. You've seen other presidents, Alabama, South Carolina, say, we're going to open up and have classes on campus in the fall. Going to happen. We'll prepare. We'll test every student if we have to. we got the ability to do that. We're going to do it. <laughs> they know they have to. They go out of business if they don't. So with all that said, it's going to happen. Um, when? We'll find out. Barring something drastically changing in the trend of this virus and the way it's going. Barring that, I mean, it could. It'll happen this fall. I've heard on the back in the, in the back channels a lot about October the 1st. You go, wait a minute, not September. Yeah. I mean, hear me out. The idea, if you go back a month, let's go back to the beginning of March. Well, no, not the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning of April. The idea of classes and sports starting on time in the fall semester was like, whoa, wait a minute, that ain't happening, right? I mean, that's pretty drastic. So let's assume then the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's not exactly on time, but everything kind of gets pushed back a little bit. Well, remember this. October the 1st is a Thursday night. There are five football Saturdays, five football weekends in October. There are four in November. 
That's nine total. What I'm telling you is the tea leaves read this way. Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. Worst case. I believe worst case would be they would kick that football season off on October 1st and they would play eight conference games across nine weeks and figure that out somehow, some way. There will be, you know, it seems like there will be probably some conferences and schools out there that aren't ready to go at the same time as everybody else. I saw a a very honest quote from Ray Tanner, who is the former baseball coach, now the AD at South Carolina, who said, you know, the question is, if all the conferences aren't aligned on what we should do, should we just go do our own thing? Because you know this. In the SEC, they're playing football against each other somehow. Somehow. Whether the Pac-12 is open or not. So uh, I think that's where it's going to go. Will there? I mean, I, I think any of this is is talked about against the backdrop of for the foreseeable future. It's like the flu. We're not going to stop getting this thing. It's here to stay. You know, it's just a matter of dealing with it. And over time, there's vaccines and treatment and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's kind of where we are. All right. Um, let me jump back over here to. Uh, your comments on Periscope. Percy says Browning Creek is the lake that Coach Polk and Lamonis live. We have a retreat there. I've always heard great things about the fishing out there. Does Coach um, Stansberry still own his house out there too? I don't know. Barry said so much anticipation for the air raid offense. If we ever get it off the ground, please, oh please, let it start on time. Cartel, why are they predicting us winning four to five games? Do you think we deserve to be predicted last in the West? I like that. And, and, you know, I think that's the ESPN football power index. I don't really know how accurate it has or hasn't been or what it's an indication of. But, you know, if you ask me, we've already had the experience of coaching change and everybody's telling us how great we are and how great we're going to be. That didn't work out as well. I'd rather have a situation where we got coaching change and now everybody's telling our team and our players that we aren't worth a flip and ain't going to be. I like that. Jason, this happens every 100 years. Quote from George Bush in 2005. Boy, he about nailed it, didn't he? Uh, Hey, Dorothy's watching the Periscope. I'm sorry, the Facebook feed tonight in Phoebe. Uh, Thanks, Tia. Thought it made sense. Thanks, Kale. Jeff says the city will have to have fans uh, this fall or a bunch of businesses will fail. That's a big part of it. Um, safety first, but there that's a true statement. Tia, football cannot be football without the fans. Quote Drew Brees, NFL Saints quarterback. Listen, that's another thing. Uh, we had that discussion on my radio show a lot, and it was, well, you might have football without fans, and I go, and I, I respond and go, well, but what's the difference in fans versus players? It's it's human beings. You you can either go in there and it's safe or you can't. You know, are we saying, okay, it's not safe for fans to sit in the stands, but it would be safe for the players to, you know, hug each other, tackle each other, touch each other, spit on each other, sweat, bleed, and wallow around on each other. Well, no. It's either safe for humans in there or it's not. Well, the response was, yeah, but. You could test 100 football players before a game and after a game, but you couldn't test 100,000 fans before a game or after a game. Well, that's true, but I think basically, like I said, it goes back to when campus is open to the entire student body, that includes the football players. Now we're going to have football, period, And if you've got classes going on with all your students on campus, then fans are going to be able to come. Now, does that mean we're going to do what the Dolphins are proposing and they might have, you know, a third of their capacity in there and the fans have to sit six feet apart? Well, maybe so. I don't know. But there will be fans in there. 
Uh, let's see. Jay in Baltimore says, you got to give Ole Miss credit. They were a year early in on the social distancing at games. <laughs> well, yeah, good point. Jason says, I'm worried that the effects of all this state reopening will be the test results in a month. And it could be. Jason says, otherwise, let's go. Vaccines on the way, hopefully in September. That would be great. And, you know, Jason, it just seems to me that there was a time when people told you that it was going to be two years before a vaccine came online, and now we're talking about one in September. I mean, what changed? Barry said, sorry for jumping in so much tonight, Matt, but this is the Dogpile podcast after all. (laughs) I like it. Jump on in. (laughs) I like it. Cartel. Yeah, Stansberry still has his place out there. Okay. Jay, SEC champion, will definitely claim the national title if no one else plays the season. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. If it's if we just play the SEC, then the winner of the conference is going to hang a national championship banner. You just get ready for that. Max says, uh, if they predict you to not be any good, that it puts a fire under the players and the coaches to work harder. Prove them wrong. I agree. Jason says, four to five wins about right for year one of Coach Leach. After that, though, it has taken off. Um, yeah, so their worst season at Washington State was the first season. I don't know about Texas Tech. I'd have to go back and kind of look at that trend. I looked at it at one point and can't remember. Lane replied to Jeff, and he says, I'll definitely have to close my business if there aren't mostly normal football crowds this fall. If no students are on campus, definitely closing. Might have to close soon regardless. It's a mess. And, Lane, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are just hanging on by a thread right now. And, you know, safety first, yes, but we probably must admit that a lot of trying to figure out a way to slowly reopen things carefully, responsibly, you know, part of the reason for that is because there's there's a lot of potential bankruptcy hanging on by a thread out there. I think that's the truth of it. And Chris says maybe the metal detector fiasco was a dress rehearsal for fan testing. You know, I maybe, um, maybe so. Definitely going to be some things going on before and after games for all of us that are very, very much different than anything we've ever experienced before. And I think that is safe to say. But one thing I too, I just believe it again. It's not an opinion. It's not based on how I feel. It's just based on reading all and hearing all these other quotes from people out in the college football world who are either decision makers themselves or they are attached in their jobs to decision makers. And man, it all points toward they're going to play some football at some point this fall, whether they play their own league or play all the leagues or the whole schedule or part of it, or where they start in September, October, it's going to happen. They're bound and determined to, because they're bound and determined to open those campuses back up. Uh, That's for sure. And then Carthel says, how do you think Coach Leach is dealing with being pushed off of Twitter? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, how, how would I think he's dealing with it? Something tells me he's probably just fine. Yeah. I mean, he pretty much was just having fun with it anyway. Yeah. So I, I think he's probably just fine with it. That's what I think. All right. Let's do this, and this will wrap it up for us tonight. I'm going to flip it over now and let you, uh, as long as you would like to, listen in to an interview I did just a little bit ago, a little while back on my radio show, with new women's basketball coach Nikki McCray Pinson. I thought it was a really good interview. It was my first chance to talk with her kind of one-on-one, and uh, it was good. She was on the radio show, and we kind of got into philosophy um, what it is like also for her during this time of taking over a program when you can't practice with the team, you can't have the team all together at once, and the challenges of taking over a new program and starting to build that chemistry and build everything you have to build while doing it via online or via Zoom, you know, as opposed to the normal, working through all those challenges. We got into all that, so let's get into all that. Now, here is that interview for you. Uh, earlier, I guess it was last week on my radio show with Nikki McCray Pinson, new head women's basketball coach at Mississippi State. She is Nikki McCray Pinson, and she is on your radio 
Right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. Coach, uh, I really appreciate some time on a Friday, and I know you've been uh, welcomed to the state a million times, but if I can, I just want to welcome you one more time. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to join the Bulldog family, me and my family. I can tell you right now, um, Dr. Keenum gave my my son a a Bulldog, and I'm telling you, he sleeps with it. So he's already fired up about getting down to start. That's great. Yeah, you know, and I just mentioned that, um, Coach. It's like no coach has ever been hired to come in and take over an SEC program and has had to deal with this. And by this, I mean you really can't go yet, and and you can't go and and have a big team meeting in the team room yet and stuff. I mean, it's just so. So, how are you dealing in these first few days as the the head coach of the program? How are you dealing with communicating with the team and mm-hmm. and trying to kind of like operate things? You're exactly right. We are in unprecedented times, but you know it is what it is. The safety um, is the number one priority. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, we still have FaceTime. We still have our phones. We have Zoom. This is our new normal. It is just communicating through a different way. Um, but you can always feel a sense of connection with players um, as you continue to communicate with them, and you're very consistent with them. I'm, I'm just really learning my kids, um, learning you know who they are. I'm asking them what they need, how can I fit their needs. Um, those things are really important to me to make them feel a part of something because I don't want to come in and just impose my will. I'm going to do that anyway, but they need to feel a part of it. Sure. For you, um, when the the conversations began um, and, you know, you were contacted or your agent was contacted and the next thing you know, you're going to get a chance to talk with John Cohen. When this all started to develop, um. Mm-hmm. How attractive, well, that's not the right word. Um, What were your impressions of the Mississippi State program when that phone started ringing? I think the first impression, number one, is an elite program. I mean, that's the one thing that you think about. Vic Schaefer and his staff have done a great job of making this a national brand. You know, you get on the phone and you say, hey, I'm from Mississippi State. They know that you know, because it's a national brand. But as I went a little deeper and I had conversations with John, I had conversations with Dr. Keenum and the committee, um, then it became about the passion. You know, I could feel the love and the passion that they have for the community, for the program, because they went there. And those are some things that really stood out. When you're passionate about something, you really – are all in and you really care about um, what you bring into the program. So that meant a lot to me. And um, and the support, you know, this university is supported by its fan base. And um, not only did I know that, I mean, I felt that when we would go there at South Carolina and play them, but even after my time watching the fans grow and even talking to the players, the one thing that they alluded to was the fan and how they feel a part of a great community, especially when you're all the way from New York or D.C. and you this feels like home, Michigan. They make those players feel like they are at home. Yeah. Coach Nikki McCray-Pinson on your radio right now. Um, Coach, what's your relationship like with Coach Dawn Staley at South Carolina? Dawn is a mentor. She's a friend. She is my sister. Uh, We have battled. We've been battle-tested. There's nothing that she and I have not been through um, together, and we talk about that all the time. But just someone that I truly trust and um, that's going to be there for me and that has been there for me through my toughest times. And, you know, just to give you a little bit of history, you know, when I was diagnosed with cancer, you know, Dawn didn't miss an appointment. Um, so she's been there through the thick and thin, through the through the good times and the bad times. Sure. Um, you know, as I look at this, and um, I was talking with John on the radio uh, earlier this week, and 
I think what I said was at one point, I said, well, you know, Coach, we, we look at this re- resume and, and her playing resume speaks for itself. I said, but in this sport, if you have the endorsement of Pat Summit and Dawn Staley, like, is there anything else you need? And he kind of chuckled because I agreed, yeah, you really don't. And so I hope this is a fair question, but when you were considering taking this job, if you could have asked Pat Summit her thoughts, what do you think she would have told you? Um, I think for her, number one, when you consider taking a job like this, you know, it is about who you are hmm. and do they, does the university, do the people line up with who you are? Um, because when I was at ten- Tennessee, it was all about who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. That's what makes universities, that's what make it all special. And the connectivity, that's one of the things. Did you feel a connection? Do they line up with your morals and, and, and who you are as a person? And and it did. You know, I, I, I came down. I was able to meet with John face-to-face and the president and the committee members. And, like, I, again, just the love and the passion that they have, and they really express that. I drove around in the communities, me and my husband, just outside of them, and everybody um, waved. They didn't know who I was, but just you could tell that friendliness. Um, and I'm, I'm a Southerner, so, you know, those things are important. You know, you want to feel, you know, you want to feel that um, when you're driving around and just how friendly people are, and I'm used to that. So that's what she would she would say to me, did you feel a connection? I see. Really interesting to, to kind of hear that perspective. Um, and, and two, I wonder for you, how do you, what do you see as the challenge? You know, like every job is going to have different set of challenges. There mm-hmm. may be programs that are trying to climb the ladder. There are others trying to stay there. So as you look at it, like on the job day one, What's the number one challenge for you with this program right now? I think the biggest thing right now is just building a relationship with our players. Okay. Um, that, 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 you know, because of these unprecedented times, you know, I'm having to talk through to them through a phone. I can't get my hands on them. I can't hug on them. Um, I can't work with them right now. So everything is just a lot of conversation, and it's good, but it's going to get repetitive, and um, that's always the challenge. And just constantly, you know, reiterating the vision and just starting to acclimate and do things, you know, you know, in a Zoom and just keep that entertaining and coming up with different things to do. That's going to be a challenge, um, but we're going to figure it out um, because, you know, I'm all in and, and I know that these players, they're excited and uh, until we're able to get back together. Coach Nikki McCray Pinson on your radio right now. Coach, uh, we have a question from a listener who's watching a live stream right now on Periscope. The, the question is just about kind of your philosophy on adding players in the transfer portal that everybody seems to be keeping an eye on now. What's your philosophy about adding players from the portal? Well, I mean, you want to be able to get players that can come in and immediately help your program. And um, obviously what I have returning is very good. You know, we want to win national championships. So you want those type of caliber of players that, you know, can help you win national championships and that can compete in this league night in and night out. Um, But also they have to be the right fit. They have to fit, you know, me. They have to fit the personality of this team, which is what I'm learning, um, you know, on a daily basis. Because anytime you bring anybody new to a team, the personality change. And um, so this is all new, me learning the personalities and from a recruiting standpoint, trying to bring the best fit, you know, um, to our program. I was just looking here at trying to find a parallel, you know, from when you took over at Old Dominion to now you're taking over at State. But it's, it's really hard to see one. I just thought I might ask you, you know, that first year at Old Dominion, you had an eight win team. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. the, and then flip the switch, and in year two, you're at 21 wins. This past year, you're at 24, and you're the coach of the year in mm-hmm. Conference USA. Um, I guess there is no parallel, right? Because you were taking over mm-hmm. a program there that had to be built. Yeah. yeah, I think the biggest thing is relationships. When I walked into a program, I, I didn't know the players, you know, and it's hard. You know, it's hard when you don't know, you know, players. Mm. Um 
from that standpoint. And um, fast forward to year two, you know, being able to get the type of players in that you have a relationship with um, is critical because I recruited those kids. I had a relationship with those kids, and it's, you know, now, you know, we're winning. Mm -hmm. And now I get to build a relationship, you know, with our players, you know, here at State. I mean, it's we don't have anything but do, but time to do that. So I think that right there in itself, it'll be a little bit easier, you know, going into, you know, when we get back on campus or, or whenever that's going to happen. But you're right. I, I did not have a relationship with those players. Um, you know, that was that was hard and just trying to get them to buy in to what, you know, success looks like. Um, that, that part was um, critical. And we started to do that towards the end when we went on a run, you know, and, and I thought that really propelled us moving forward into the next year. Yeah. Well, and we're out yeah. of time now, and I know that we're going to get an opportunity, hopefully, to catch up with you soon. Um, with about a minute left, Coach, um, what do you think What do you think uh, the, the operation will be and what you'll be doing uh, getting the program ready between now and hopefully the start of the season uh, in the school year when August rolls around? I think the biggest thing, Matt, is to try to get our kids in a routine. You know, right now everybody's home and, you know, they're kind of free-flowing just like everybody else in America. But, you know, when we do come back, you know, we want to have some sense of normalcy. Mm -hmm. So just trying to get our kids in a routine, you know, weekly meetings, all of these things so that they can start to, you know, expect those things. Because if they were here right now, we would be doing, there would be a set time when we would be practicing, you know, a set time when we would be meeting. Um, and just getting, a, getting getting each other acclimated to one another. Um, we got to follow NCAA rules, um, SEC rules. So there's some things that we cannot do right now. But as soon as we're able to, you know, watch film and mm-hmm. do some things together, we're, we're definitely going to be able to do that. Very cool. Coach McCray-Pinson, thank you so much. Welcome again. We're all excited to kind of get things started. I know you are uh, just as well, and and hopefully it won't be long. Thank you, and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much. I'm excited, Matt. You guys have a great weekend. Be safe. Hail State and go dogs. Hail State. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. That's Coach Nikki McCray-Pinson, new head women's basketball coach for the Bulldogs. Yeah, and, you know, as we were talking um, there, and I just kind of glance at, the the records you look at the situation when she went to old dominion and that first year they were eight and 23 and finished 12th in conference usa and then flip the switch year two they go 21 and 10 finish fifth in conference usa make it into the nit and then this past year we're sitting there at 24 and 6 right at the top of Conference USA, and she was the coach of the year. It's just like she went and got that head coaching job and immediately proved herself right there at uh, Old Dominion. 